Hello and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And we're back. We're back. We're back. We did it, y'all. Also, did we mention, I think I mentioned this previously, but like, we're back and also Sean Bloom is back and doing play-by-play again. (laughs) So like, we're actually part of the End Defender community once more. (laughs) Yeah, it's... You know, I haven't dropped it from the intro because it's kind of like the second most part of the intro and I don't, I, you know, it doesn't feel right, but hey, it's appropriate again. Yeah, he's playing Signs of the Sojourner, uh, which is a thing I think cool. we played for the podcast at some point. Yeah, we did. We've played a lot of games not... at this point. We've played so many games. Like, I was in the hopper. I mean, I'm still in the hopper and I'm just... Like trying to get to the end of the list of games that we've played to put Loop Hero on there, and it's like scrolling down. Okay, we're still scrolling down. <laughs> I'm still scrolling down. And I think the Hopper list doesn't even have the complete list of games we've played, uh, unless oh, we updated yeah. it recently. It's. I mean, it looks like it's. It looks like someone must have updated it because I put Loop Hero in just now, and I mean BPM's there. The subsurface. Quarantine circulars there, Wilmot's warehouse is there, which like I think those are the last three games. Yeah, played. no, I, I I've definitely been keeping it up recently. I just I don't remember if I ever went back and like added a lot of the stuff oh. that we just picked up and never was never on the hopper. Yeah, I mean, there's at least some games that was never on the hopper. See. Yeah, I guess we could just like count the number of rows in that section and see if it matches with. Like the number of games that are listed on the SoundCloud, but there's a hundred eight. But some of them, like we've got our four in February, like two for episodes listed individually. Yeah. So it's probably it's probably close. Close enough. Nice. <laughs> um yeah. What have y'all been up to this week, other than hopefully following uh the riveting story of the boat stuck in the Suez Canal? <laughs> Man, it's wild. I missed the boat for like the first day because I was too distracted by uh, the shrimp in the Cinnamon Toast Crunch story. It's a weird <laughs> year going on. It's so, it's, I don't, it's so weird. Like, I'll take whatever absurdist thing we have fallen into over the the constant doom and gloom of last year i mean the doom and gloom is still here but at least it's kind of fun sometimes <laughs> at least we have some ludicrous absurdism with our with yeah. our nihilism yeah we were um we ev and i were over at his parents place last night because it was his father's uh 60th plus one birthday his 60th was uh obviously last year this time where uh, no nobody was going to hang out with nobody last March, mm-hmm. um, but he, he was talking about how he got some uh, new golf clubs, and he ordered custom grips. And I guess apparently there is another like shipping uh, vessel that has overturned somewhere else, but there is a shortage of these golf club grips because there were like a million golf club grips on this other boat that fell over like, oh, what no. is going on? all of these boat mishaps oh and what is the world we live in 
I feel like the 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 ship stuck in the canal should not be funny, but it's really funny. <laughs> like it's a it's a terrible disaster and it's messing up a lot of like economy and shipping, but also it's a big boat stuck in a little <laughs> little canal and it's pretty yeah. funny. I don't know it's, why. It's like you know, it's it's like when you see, I don't know, a a dog in a tree like how did you get there? Buddy? <laughs> What what happened to get you up in that tree? How are yep. you sideways in the canal? You big giant ship. <laughs> well, to be to be uh, fair, from what I've been reading online, this was kind of actually an accident waiting to happen uh, because they like ships have been getting bigger and bigger and bigger as you know world shipping needs increase, um, and this is one of the, the Ever Given was one of the new line of uh, ultra-large container ships, uh, which are, like, barely big enough to fit down the canal in the first place. Yeah. Um, and people have been saying, like, yeah, like, ships run aground fairly regularly in the canal. It's just not usually this bad. So this was kind of, you know, an inevitable result of current forces. Yeah. I feel like they probably also don't get stuck completely sideways, but <laughs> usually, not. yeah, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, I've not been paying attention to anything in the last weeks because no. I've been playing Persona. Ooh, Persona and Five. I'm now converted. Which one are you playing? I'm playing Five, oh, the regular Five. The problem with the Persona games is if you like the most recent one, like, as soon as you decide you like it, you almost have to stop, put it down immediately, and go backwards. Because the, the quality of life improvements that they put in every successive game are so vast. Like, the third game is great, and that's the earliest one I've played, but you can't choose what your party members do in battle. They just automatically do moves, and it's a nightmare to play. But, yeah, I mean, if you can get past it. Yeah. And so, 4 like, is good but grindy. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I heard. Like, the, like, the new Persona games are like the previous ones, but slightly better. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't played 5 because I I own it. And I haven't played it for two reasons. The first one was because I hear it's like 200 freaking hours long. Um, and I wanted to finish Breath of the Wild before I start on something else that's that insanely time-consuming. Um, but, and then, like, now that, like, the Persona 5 Royal or whatever has come out, everyone's telling me, like, oh, don't play the original, don't play the original, you should be playing Royal. And I'm like, but I, I already own the original. Yeah, that's the other, the other problem with the Persona games, is there's always another one. But it's yeah. so far later that it's like... Do I want to wait five years, or do I just do I want to play this very long game twice? Yeah, yeah. I refuse to buy the same game twice. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable perspective. Yeah, I just and also they people are like, oh, you should buy Persona, you should buy Persona Five Royal. It's got, uh, like. 30 extra hours of content. I'm like, it's already like a 200 hour RPG. Come on. Yeah, yeah do I want it's only like a 120 hour? 
I mean, still. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I, I have, I bought it when it came out. I have not finished it. Um, be, I, I feel like it starts to drag towards the end. Um, and I just, I just got like at at that point, it's like, man, I've played so much of this game. Do I really want to play more of it? And I just fall off of it. Um, and at this point, I would have to start over again. And do I really want to go through however many hours I put into it again to get back to where I was? And so yeah, it's just sitting on my fair. shelf. Yeah, I'm like halfway through and I'm kind of starting to get like tired of like the combat. Which um, which dungeon are you in? I've done the fourth palace. Which one is that? I don't remember. That's the tomb, the pyramid. Okay. Yeah, I think it was I don't remember. I don't remember the order. I think it was the one after that where I started like really falling off of it. So, is it less yeah. grindy than Persona 4? Cuz the main thing about Persona 4 was that like you just spent a lot of time in very self-similar dungeons that were procedurally generated so they were like uninteresting. Yeah, they're the dungeons are not procedurally generated in this one. So they are a lot more interesting and I I did find it to be less grindy. Um Yeah, I'm not grinded at all so far. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the dungeons uh, are a huge improvement just because I mean the procedural generation in them is not super great. They are not very fun to go through, but this one actually has like specific objectives that you have to do and sort of environmental puzzles hmm. um, like that Zelda you have to like. do to like uh, not really it's it's got it's hard to describe because each of each of the dungeons has a different theme so the stuff you have to do is very different in each dungeon depending on what like one of them is an art gallery and there's like this <clears throat> this wall of paintings and you go into the paintings and you have to look like the the different paintings as you move through them it becomes like a maze that you have to figure out how to get out of um and then what's another good what's another good puzzle i'm trying to think of another good one well you don't have to tell me because i will theoretically eventually play it so yeah but because of the theming it's it's a pretty interesting variety of stuff you got to do <clears throat> Maybe I should start it now so Carl and I can discuss it. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> uh, I've been playing Valheim because it's the new the new hotness, um, and it's uh, it's like Minecraft but your Vikings basically. <laughs> I mean, there's a little more to it than that. It's a little more structured. It's a little bit, uh, you know. Um, it's like third person instead of uh, first person. But, you know, it's kind of, if you like Minecraft, but want the combat to be more like, you know, a linear series of bosses similar to Terraria, then you will like it. I hope they, I do hope they uh, increase the crafting materials a little bit. Um, in future updates because it's like there is you can make a lot of cool stuff but it's no terraria where you have like you know you can make 
15 different versions of the same wall that all look slightly different. Hate that is about it, Terraria. Is it <laughs> oh, bad no. that I've never played that I've never played Terraria? I've only played Minecraft and I just never, never got around to playing Terraria. Terraria is I feel like an interesting different take on Minecraft. Like Minecraft for me is very much about um it's about the things you want to build and there happens to be kind of a like you know combat and enemies in the game in order to make gain gathering materials more complicated basically whereas terraria is more you know there is a world you are trying to conquer and get through and you have to do some building in order to get the stuff you need to do that exploration and combat so it's a little bit more focused on, you know, like always getting the next tier upgrade of items and um, like there's bosses throughout the world that you have to like trigger certain things in order to get the bosses to appear. Um, and there's like uh, NPCs and you have to build houses for them and things like that. Um, and they'll like sell you the gear that you need to get to the you know next tier of stuff, basically. Um, so even though like terraria does have a bunch of like interesting aesthetic stuff i i bounced off it a lot more than minecraft just because i'm like less interested in that combat side of things um yeah but also i feel like building is just less interesting in 2d because there's a you know there's fewer shapes you can make if you're not building in 3d space um, so I feel like Valheim is kind of a good in-between of that. Um, it's got, you know, the, the fun 3D building of Minecraft where I can use the same tools to make, like, a house and also, like, a bridge and also a stable, right? You know, they're, they, they all, and they all feel like interesting, different build projects. Um, but at the same time, there's, like, you know, big ass trolls that you have to be careful fighting, and there's little dungeons, and there's like uh, bosses with a tech tree, and so it's kind of you know it's kind of in the middle. Plus, you're Vikings, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I um, my boyfriend has been playing a bit of it with uh, at least one of his friends, so I have been subjected to him. Uh, screeching when his friends do something stupid. <laughs> yeah. And that's about it. That's all I know about it. Yeah, there's some things they... I find a little frustrating about the controls, to be fair. Um, and we've definitely, like, gotten ourselves killed. We were worried it had uh, Dark Souls rules, because when you die, you drop all your stuff in, like, a gravestone. But it turns out that uh, the gravestones stick around even if you die multiple times. Um, that's good. So you you do lose the marker of where they are on the map, but you don't actually lose the gravestone. So, oh. yeah, that's that's good. That's fine. I can live with that. Yeah, which is good because I hate that trend. The like, die once, lose your stuff. Die twice, lose your stuff forever. I'm like, that's so needlessly <laughs> punishing. Why are all the games Especially doing in that a game now? Like that. Yeah. And it's Dark Souls. Yeah, exactly. But then again, I mean, even in even in Minecraft, it was worse because you would die and all of your stuff would just despawn. 
Like, if you didn't get there fast enough. Yeah, I was gonna say, you, you do have to get there in time. Um, but this this stuff lasts a while. It lasts, like, an in-game day or two. Um, yeah, but, like, half of your death in Minecraft is because of the lava. Yeah, no, the, it's definitely too easy to die in Minecraft, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I built us a nice house, and we have a stable with some piggies. And we've got, like, a little cooking station. And a forge area outside, and I built a bridge across a canyon behind our house since we keep having to cross it all the time, and we didn't want to keep wading through the river. <laughs> nice. I, you can raise animals, or at least like take care of animals, and that is an automatic extra. I don't know, ten points on my arbitrary scale. So yep. good job. The boars, the boars love me. When I pet them, it tells oh. it tells me they love me, and there are little hearts. You can, oh, you can pet them too. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> That's all I care about. <laughs> well, there you go. Speaking of uh, adding, well, taking care of animals in a game. Uh, I don't know if either of you have played any House Flipper. I play it from time to time when I want to zone out. But apparently, the next DLC that they announced is like sims pets but in house flipper interesting at which point it makes me wonder like what what is the next genre that is going to be integrated into house flipper <laughs> is, is house flipper just going to become the only game we need to buy i guess we'll see i have not even heard of house flipper i'm looking at screenshots now it looks like it's uh looks like it's fun yeah, it's, it's like it, I mean it's, it scratches exactly the sort of itch that I enjoy with uh with like sim style yeah. games. So it's it's definitely that. It's also definitely um like a, a a Unity asset flip game. I've seen a lot of the furniture in that game in other uh you know, in other Unity games, but at the mm -hmm. same time now I think they pretty recently got workshop support, which is I, I you know good cool for them because that opens up a lot of a lot yeah. of stuff user content yeah i haven't even like looked into what's what's you know being churned out by the community but i'm sure it is a lot so yeah yeah you give people the tools they'll make stuff yeah <sighs> also i guess happy <laughs> passover to any of our Jewish listeners. Oh. That started, I think, yesterday. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't have much to say about that. We, we're, I am not a very good Jew. I don't, <laughs> I pretty much only celebrate Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah, it's. <clears throat> I should celebrate Passover. That's like the more important one, I think, but whatevs. It's also um, a lot harder because, like, I I would have forgotten that Easter was coming up if you hadn't mentioned Passover. Um, but when all of the holidays are are different times every year, that's 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 your holidays on hard mode. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't and, know how anyone can and especially it. hard mode because <laughs> Google is always freaking wrong about it, and that makes me like angry. Oh, no. Um, because it's like the, um, 
whenever I look up Hanukkah, because I'm like, when does Hanukkah start? Like Google has routinely steered me wrong about it because I think it's it has to do with the way the day, like what counts as a day is considered different because like certain stuff starts at like sundown on one day, but it's actually like considered the following night or something, you know, something weird oh. like that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and so just the way Google records it is just incorrect. Um, and yeah. so I have, I have like two or three times now missed the first day of Hanukkah because Google was wrong. I feel like there was one year you were telling us about how you were like a week or two off. From yeah, Hanukkah. no, I don't need, I still don't fully understand how that happened. So, okay. Were you early or were you late? Because if you're early, it's fine. Cause then you just get two Hanukkahs. I think I was early but oh, I yeah could be then, wrong. You, then you're fine well but the like the thing was that like i mentioned it on twitter like i was wishing people a happy hanukkah and no one corrected me i felt so bad no one knows well that's not true yeah, because if, if i have several jewish friends know. i have Jew uh, several <laughs> jewish friends on on twitter who should have yeah. told me Who are definitely like better at practicing it than I am. <laughs> oh, I need wow. to I need to find like official Jewish calendar website or whatever and, and trust that instead. Yeah, that's got to exist. I mean, if Google can't even handle it, somebody else has definitely got to be like yeah taking it upon themselves to get the correct information out there. Would it's hope. not like Google, like has the information; it grabs it from somewhere. Yeah, presumably, um, but I don't know where it's getting its info from. But it's always been kind of a headache for me. Anyway, <laughs> um, happy Passover. Speaking of. Things that happen unexpectedly in in cycles. Yeah, we can go with that. <laughs> we played Loop Hero. We did play Loop Hero. Uh, we played Loop Hero for the past few weeks. Uh, Loop Hero is a game that I had information pulled up about. Uh, and then I lost the window. It's a game by a Russian studio, uh, Four Quarters published by Devolver. Uh, and it is sort of a roguelike and sort of an idle game, but um, I guess sort of a roguelite. I still don't fully understand the distinction between those two genres. Um, and it's not much of an idle game because while it does run itself, you kind of have to be pretty constantly managing it. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, it's a, it is a game where you are a hero um, at the sort of tail end of the destruction of the entire universe. Uh, and you are trying to preserve slash remember the world enough to keep it from being completely destroyed. So it's a, it's a series of loops 
where you start, you know, the game procedurally generates a circular path and your little hero wanders around the path and automatically fights monsters. Uh, and you start, to start with, you just run into some slimes um, that, you know, spawn every day uh, along the road. Um, and as you fight them, they drop two things. They drop cards and they drop equipment. Uh, and the equipment you can, you know, uh, depending on what class you're playing, you have different equipment slots, and you can keep adding stuff to uh, to your character's um, equipment and getting their stats higher and higher. Each because they have different equipment slots, each character has some slightly different stats available to them. Uh, and then the cards uh, are used to build out the map to like place things around the loop and some cards can only be placed on the road some can only be placed next to the road and some can only be placed on spaces other than on or next to the road and what you place determines what enemies you face in the loop and as you place more cards the loop gets harder and harder but you also get more and more powerful and then eventually once you've placed enough cards a boss will spawn on the loop and you have to defeat the boss and you, then you can keep playing the loop if you want but the goal is pretty much to defeat the boss because you get special special loots and special abilities and drops and continue the story from uh, from uh, finishing the boss on a loop um, that's the basic premise like most of the it's pretty simple to kind of get into most of the exploration of the game is about um, unlocking different things and sort of exploring the different classes and exploring the different interactions of the way cards play off each other <clears throat> when you put them next to each other uh, and then in between each loop you go to like a, a camp um, as, as you loop, you're gathering resources, and when you get to the camp, you can spend those resources to build permanent upgrades that help you uh, on each loop thereafter. Yeah. Did I miss any major mechanics? I don't think so. Nope. All right. So there are three, three classes. Um, you start as a warrior who gets uh, armor, weapon, and shield, and one ring. Um, there's a rogue that gets two weapons. I think two weapons and a ring. And boots. And boots, right. I was thinking there was yeah. one that I was missing. I didn't play much of the rogue. Uh, and then there's the necromancer who gets uh, two rings and a necklace um, and a weapon. Well, a book. And uh, the warrior is okay. The rogue, I could not figure out how to make work in any viable. He seems like he's just basically the warrior, but squishier. Um, same. Yeah, I had I had the exact same issue. Like they, they get a, a lot more. The rogue. Yeah, they they get a lot of equipment, right? Because they get like a big boost of equipment every time they finish a loop. Well, they get yeah, less they, equipment than the other. It's instead of um, instead of enemies dropping equipment, they the rogue collects a trophy from each enemy they defeat. And then once you get back to the beginning of the loop, it trades in all of the trophies for equipment 
So you still get the card drops, but you don't get the equipment drops while you're in the middle of the loop. Um, right. Even from uh, even from chests, you don't get equipment. You do get equipment from um, villages. If you turn in a quest in the middle of a loop, you will still get it then. But otherwise, it's only um, when you trade everything in at the campfire. You can only get a certain amount of equipment every loop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... And and then the third the third class is the necromancer, uh, which summons skeletons to fight for them, which is by far my favorite class. Yeah, summons skeletons to fight for them and has a like an extra health bar of uh, magic. Is it magic HP or magic defense? Uh, magic HP. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and the magic HP regens at the beginning of every fight. But it it doesn't uh, unlike you can get a skill that lets your regular HP gradually regen over time, um, which your doesn't affect your magic HP. But because you get it back at the beginning of every fight, it's I don't know. It's like an extra shield basically before you start taking real damage. Mm -hmm. um, so I know what my main two strategies were, or what my main strategies were for the other two classes. So Carl, you said you played a lot of the rogue. How do you build a good rogue? <laughs> Um, I don't know. He just hit really hard. So, focus on weapon damage? Yeah, focus on damage. And, like, and crit, I often, I guess. like, picked the, the, like, little special house that gave me the magic armor. And it helped mitigate some of the tougher fights. Wait, what house gives you magic armor? What? Oh, is that the um There's like two houses you can pick from, one that like resurrects you and gives you some bonus and one that gives you an extra item slot. Oh, these are the the gold cards. Yeah, so the yeah. the ancestral crypts resurrects and I think it's the arsenal, is it arsenal or arm? It's the arsenal that yeah. gives you um the extra extra weapon slot or whatever yeah. slot, yeah. And then there's the labyrinth, which just fills up a big portion of the screen. <laughs> Does nothing else. Yeah. Uh, gold cards are one. special cards that you pick. Um, you do get to deck build, so as you unlock cards, you get to decide which cards are available to be randomly drawn for your loop. Uh, and you get, as you build out your camp, you gain gold cards. You can only have one gold card in your deck uh, per loop. And you um, you only get one of them. Like it's not like the other cards that can be randomly drawn or dropped by enemies. It's just you have this one card and it's available to you from the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So the uh, yeah I I once I unlock the necromancer class, I pretty much exclusively use the uh, the extra mm -hmm. extra HP one because. The downside of it is that it removes any HP bonuses you get from armor, but since the Necromancer can't wear armor anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. I I had I'm thinking I'm thinking about the rogue still. I had one really good run with the rogue and I wasn't even like I was just trying to farm um metal orbs because I needed them for something. But um I ended up with God, I think I had like 
attack speed and like 50% evade. So I was just hitting everything. Oh, and I had the um the extra whatever, the ability that gives you a 75% chance of having a rat hound um fight with you at the start of a battle. So I was just like zipping through it destroying yeah. everything in my path it was really fun and then i just went home because i had the metal orbs that i needed but <laughs> i also i also was like very very squishy so i was starting to not um not be able to make up the damage that i was taking so yeah. not a viable strategy but a fun one if you're just going out for a minute <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah so the the game has kind of an interesting risk reward mechanic in the sense that um one of the things you're trying to you're always trying to do is collect resources um so that you can bring them back to the camp and build more things um and you if you die you lose 60 percent of what you've collected um, so you do still get to keep some stuff but you lose 60 percent of your resources and you lose any artifacts that you found along the way which are like special power-up items um, if you decide to give up and retreat at any point along the loop, um, you get you only lose 30% of the things that you've collected and all your artifacts. And if you specifically make it back to the campfire, which is where the loop like, starts over each time, uh, then you can retreat and keep everything. So there's a question of like, do you want to keep pushing? And do you know? Do you think you can survive another round, or do you think you can beat the boss, or do you want to cut your losses and take either your, you know, thirty percent or zero percent loss, and just you know call it a day? Uh, yeah. Which I thought is sort of an interesting tension. It's interesting, yeah. but I also despise it. Oh no! Because that means that, like, if I have a good run. And I want to, like, maybe I can kill the boss. Mm -hmm. But I really need the materials. So I need to leave. Yeah. So yeah, I don't it does. Get to try on the boss. So it, does, it does feel. It's, it's interesting because I. That tension is definitely there. And I can see how it would be, like, incredibly frustrating. And I definitely did find it frustrating once or, once or twice where I was like, hmm. I'm really doing well, and I do I do think I could maybe beat the boss, but I don't want to risk these items that I have. I'm just going to call it. Um, I think that's one of those things that's like very much, whether you like that or hate that will very much depend on how you approach that, that style of like risk reward system. Some people I think really like that kind of gamble. Like, they get a rush for, like, I'm going to try it anyway, and, you know, if I lose, I lose. Um, and that's not very much not me. <laughs> but I can see how some people would really enjoy that aspect. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much always tried anyway, because that's more fun. Yeah. But then I lose all my materials. Yeah, it sucks when you have... So the thing I've been trying to get is these... Um, I think they're called like orbs of expansion or something. These like gold orbs. Um, these like filigreed gold orbs. And uh, you get them from like... First defeats of bosses, I think. And supposedly, according to the encyclopedia, you get them from uh, 
encounters with four or more enemies, um, which I guess, but like I have yet to have one ever drop from a group of four or more enemies. I and like I've done at least fifty loops now, and that has never happened. So I'm not sure I believe that that actually <laughs> like is working. Um, I have a question for you guys. But did you guys place a lot of enemy structures? Because I um, placed like every single one I got, always. <laughs> I did I did the first time I played and I think you get it's a sort of a good strategy because it gets you a lot of good drops really quickly. Um yeah, and but you later also level up slower or do you level up the enemy slower? Yeah. Um I I ended up placing things pretty strategically um past a certain point where I would so like the um Sorry, I'm still hung up on my previous point. The thing I was going to say before is I would I would just abandon quests early because I could take the artifacts I got and um, dismantle them for orbs. So that that encouraged me to quit early a lot of times. Um, but yeah, so I placed since I'm running the necromancer a lot, I place a lot of uh, I want to get those gold orbs. I I put spiders next mm -hmm. to like on either side of the campfire because i have fully upgraded watchtowers which means i get four archers uh assisting me <laughs> in those adjacent yeah. campfire slots um so like that's the place to have like big old hordes of enemies so i usually do um i usually do spiders and maybe a grove uh on those spots uh and then i try and place like a few groves throughout, and uh, I try and place as many forests as possible to encourage um, to encourage the like fake villages to spawn that spawn they spawn like uh, plant people that copy your moves. Those things are fucking godsends as a necromancer because they're they're hugely hard hitting, but they only ever counter attack. So as long as you're constantly summoning skeletons. Uh, you never take damage because they only ever attack the skeletons, never you. And if you happen to have, there are a few really, really nice skill upgrades you can get. I don't think we mentioned you get XP. One of the things you unlock fairly early is you get uh, XP as you defeat enemies. And when you get a certain amount and level up, you get uh, you get to have a special ability. And it gives you three options and you pick one and you have it for the rest of that loop. Um, and the Necromancer has some really nice ones. And there was one I'm always on the lookout for called Residual Heat, which means you gain, when a skeleton dies, you gain three times the number of loops uh, HP. And if you have those villages of plant people, the plant you're just constantly summoning skeletons and the plant people are constantly destroying them. So they essentially become heal spots. And it's amazing. <laughs> Damn, I'll have to remember that. That's and a good I got one. to the point where I just like stopped stalking meadows in my deck so that I could draw more forests. Yeah. Um, also, I looked up the Orb of Expansion. It has a 5% chance to drop from battles with four enemies. Um, yeah. But apparently, let's see. Watchers that run away count as an enemy. 
Um, ghosts, ghost of a ghost, and prime matter. I don't think I know what prime matter is. Prime matter is the ghost of a ghost of a ghost. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> if I you, think, I don't so, know if I've ever encountered one of those. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a battlefield that you, card that you can place that um, it spawns a chest once every loop, uh, but enemies that die on that slot have a chance of having a ghost appear. And when you beat the ghost, there's a chance that you might get a ghost of a ghost, which is like three ghosts. It's not three. It's like okay, a. That's... It's like an amalgamation of other ghosts. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I and... am. I'm very, very careful to keep my battlefields away from places where I will have to fight anything, for the most part. Yeah, I tend to do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then the if you beat the ghost of a ghost, there is a chance that it will spawn this weird red spirit thing that rolls dice. And the spirit, they, like that thing is rough because it's, uh, if you let it attack six times, the sixth attack is guaranteed to kill you no matter what. Um, so you have to defeat it very quickly. <laughs> and it, it has this weird like luck mechanic where it rolls a dice and depending on what it rolls, it can do like double damage or no damage or something like that. I don't know. It's a, it's a strange thing. But it does give you fragments of time, which I just realized that, like, last night, like, oh, that's the thing I need to get these astral orbs to unlock alchemy. So I need to start, I need to start summoning enemies that do that. Yeah, I um, think there's, I think there's a lot of interesting cards. And, sorry, go ahead. Oh. No, I was going to say, I think my two biggest complaints are I wish that it was either this game was either more of an idle game or less of an idle game. It's like right <laughs> in the middle and it's it's in an uncomfortable place for me. But the other thing is, God, there's so many resources. There's yeah. so yeah. much to keep track of if you're trying to get like specific resources. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like most of them you will sort of end up accumulating a lot of just because they're pretty common. And as long as you're placing down like... Mm -hmm fairly normal cards you'll end up with them but there are a few that are hard to get that come from pretty specific enemies and yeah they're yeah you kind of have to pay attention in order to to get those like i i would not have the the um so last night i was like browsing through the encyclopedia like how do i even get these shards they come from the um the ghost of a ghost of a ghost uh they come from <clears throat> um used books like abandoned bookeries so there's a card that you can get called the bookery which uh when you place it it goes next to the road and when you run past it it will swap some of your cards that you haven't used with different cards and it it uh has 20 swaps and after it's swapped 20 cards it becomes an abandoned bookery and abandoned bookeries spawn book enemies that will fight you <laughs> and book enemies apparently drop shards of time. Oh. Uh, and then there's, I only recently started uh, using the like time temple card, which I unlocked a while ago, but it like didn't seem like it gave any particular benefit. So I didn't add it to my deck. So I only recently started using it and they spawn little time watchers, which, um, uh, they're like just weird little many-eyed giant-headed dudes and they uh they put a magic shield on everything and then leave 
Yeah. So they are hard to kill because they they just run from the fight very quickly. Yeah. Um, and then this one, they, so they drop shards of time. Um, also, I learned that it they don't drop shards of time, but if you put a uh, vampire's villa next to a village, uh, the village changes to spawn ghouls. Um, and it will spawn ghouls for four uh, four rounds, I think, and then the village becomes like a just a better village. Yeah, that's that's a strategy I learned about like recently, and I've been playing with it, and it's it, it works out really well if you can get past all the ghouls initially. Yeah, um, there's I like the I like the way cards can interact in unexpected ways. I think that's mm -hmm. kind of a fun axis for discovery. I could see like it might get uh, like at a certain point, I'd probably just go to a wiki and go like, okay, what are the ones I haven't yeah. found yet? But the the ones that I have found when you do find one unexpectedly, it, it feels neat. Um, like that was one. Um, shoot. There was another one. Oh, the, the, there's a card that you can place that summons like a little dude to help you fight unless you're the necromancer in which case the little guards that are summoned also hate you because you're a necromancer and so they'll just like pelt everyone on the field with arrows <laughs> which i think is actually more effective because the little guard that you get um like is like one extra dude and he's not that strong and he can die pretty easily but the arrows even though they also damage you it's like a spread attack, so it's good at damaging all of your opponents at once. And they do, like, pretty decent damage. I've actually gotten a lot of good out of that card. Yeah, that, that sounds good. I don't think I have... Oh, that's... I have the wiki up, so that comes from the war camp, which I haven't unlocked yet. Yeah, I'm getting close. I still have to unlock the river uh, and the alchemist's thing. Uh, and whatever's like beyond the alchemist thing and the warehouse. I'm, I was trying to get the warehouse, but I think I might skip the warehouse and just go straight to the river. I need 15 of those gold orbs for it, though. Ugh, yeah. It's a pain in the ass. Too many resources. Yeah. Um, well, but like I said, I, I think I'm down to basically I need those gold orbs and I need um, the astral orbs. And I think mm -hmm. everything else is is sort of whatever. Uh, and when you beat the bosses, the, the first three times you beat each boss, you get a like a permanent upgrade of some kind um, where it's, you know, it gives you like, you know, choose your reward. And it's it's some like nice big increase in skill of some some description. Um, so I've done, so now I'm, I'm mostly working on, uh, levels three and four in the hopes of getting more of those. Cause I've beaten the first two bosses three times each. So they don't give me that anymore, but I think there's only four loops, um, judging by the UI, uh, hints, which is that there are six hidden boss, uh, things in the encyclopedia. And they, there's basically space for four levels on the UI. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, 
And I thought so. The there are six like little question mark things in the in the encyclopedia for bosses, and I'm like, oh, that means there's going to be six loops and like six bosses. But two of the bosses have like a little minion that also shows up in that area, so mm, it's actually yeah. only four. Um, the first boss is a big like skeleton dude. The second boss is like a priestess who summons like these big stone-looking angels. And has like these glass uh, stained glass windows that like act as shields. Um, the third boss is this like manic hunter dude who has like hounds that are also black holes that uh, that fight alongside him. And I have not yet reached the fourth boss because the fourth loop is a boss rush where all four bosses spawn. And I have not gotten past the first boss on the boss rush for that level. I'm looking I don't at think some I've even of the gotten... abilities of the final boss. I, looks, I don't think uh, I've painful. even gotten to. Yeah, what does it say? Um, so there is one, let's see. Um, destroys all cards and items at the start of battle. Every third attack erases one item and one of the hero's stats. Which, note, this ability can render the Necromancer incapable of summoning minions if her max skeleton stat is disabled. No. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like, I feel like if you're the, presumably if you're like the warrior, your like damage stat could get, uh, could get removed. Yeah. But I guess if you have like damage to all, that that's a different stat. So you're yeah. still doing damage even if you have damage to all, but not the I don't yeah. Oh, it takes the stats from the bottom of your list to the top. So it will take damage uh, last. I see. By which point you're probably dead anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> that sounds like freaking impossible. I don't know. I don't know if I want to go that far i might keep playing because i might i kind of want to unlock alchemy to see what it does um but i don't know if i like if i'm invested in actually getting to the end of the fourth loop yeah i kind of i beat the third loop then i kind of quit playing no it's like i was doing like the same thing over and over again yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, yeah I also, kinda... like, please, I love the beat up button, but please give me a, like, a times eight or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can, yeah, there's a, like, speed up to twice as fast, like, walking around the loop button, but it's, yeah, it's only one times speed or two times speed, and that's it. And it doesn't apply, it doesn't apply when you're in combat, which I wish there was a separate speed up for being in combat as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, usually get... you're not in combat that long, but sometimes, hey, sometimes you are, you know? Mm-hmm. So. It does get repetitive. Um, which, so a thing I wanted to bring up um, with this game is the idea of grinding um, as a sort of game mechanic. Uh, because we've, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast before, but grinding is really interesting to me 
And like to the point where when we were planning our like theoretical next game for EVC before we just had to disband EVC, um, I was kind of insistent that grinding be available to the player. Because grinding is at its core a mechanic that allows you to exchange time for uh like to, to replace skill with time right if you're mm -hmm. not good enough at something to to finish you know to, to complete something you may exchange time in order to just become better <laughs> yeah and so i think it's in that sense it's very it's actually a very player friendly mechanic because it says like no matter what as long as you're wi willing to spend time playing the game you will be able to succeed however <laughs> like the the problem is that your game has to support that time investment right if you spend like 10 hours doing a thing it better be a thing that's fun to do for 10 hours right yeah and if uh or i will say alternately it i would say the other side of that is if it's mindless enough that you can do something else while you're grinding because i played world of yeah. warcraft for a lot of years there's a lot of grindy stuff in world of warcraft that you can just turn off your brain put on a movie do your you know usually it's like crafting stuff that i would be spending hours trying to gather mats for while watching movies it's yeah. fine or let you have the ability to do you don't have to grind like grinding yeah. should be an option yeah, to yeah that was the other big thing i was and... i was going to bring up is grinding should never be mandatory i feel like yeah. that's when it's most frustrating is when you feel is when the problem is actually not the grinding it's the uh the like incorrect difficulty curve right like instead of mm -hmm. the thing getting gradually harder and harder so that your abilities like always feel like you're only very slightly like have to stretch to get there if there's instead a sudden leap in difficulty then you feel like you are required to go grind in order to progress and that's terrible that's like mm -hmm. universally pretty terrible yeah. yes that, that uh, the grinding issue in this game is why i wished it was a little bit more idle gamey yeah, because it's it's not quite at the point where I can you know do other stuff because you do you do really have to pay attention, um, yes, in order to to get anything meaningful done on on a run. But you know, <laughs> I wish I could just pay a little bit less attention and like kind of just have it play itself for a while. Yeah, you pretty much have to have like um, you, you have to constantly be like upgrading your equipment and like placing the new cards you get because you you need to keep up with that loop uh loop difficulty like ramp mm -hmm. yeah um yeah which like i don't know if i would like it if it was more abnegative if it was more like you know less less brain uh activity but i could see that like that being a different style of like way you could play it for sure yeah it's it's a difficult it would be a difficult balance and like i i don't i don't think there's a way to implement that in this game but in another similar game that doesn't exist yeah maybe 
Well, there actually is one. And I unfortunately, I don't remember the name. I probably should have like Googled it before the podcast. Um, But there is a game that I played just as like a web game for a while. That was, um, it was a clicker, but for roguelike dungeon thing. Like you're, you just had a little guy who went through the dungeon and fought monsters and then died eventually. And uh, you could like, originally you have to like, click to get him to go to the next room and like click to attack and click to, you know, pick up the spoils and then like, you know, spend potions and stuff. And eventually you can get like auto attack and then like auto move through the dungeon and then like auto spend potions. And then, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so eventually it's just a roguelike that plays itself. Nice. And uh, and that was really cute. It was not like a long term sustained game that I wanted would have wanted to play for a long time, but as like a clicker exercise, it was pretty cute. Yeah. Uh, so this did make me think of that in some ways. I looked for roguelike. Like I just did a Google search of roguelike clicker, and I there's a lot of things that sound like it could be that, but I'm I have no. Uh... It was like black and white pixel art. Okay, that's not any of these. Images. Oh, I went to look for images, and like a lot of these are just Loop Hero. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, that yeah. tells you, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other fun like card interactions. There's a. It says on the card that like the Time Watchers are afraid of vampires. Um. And I wonder if that just means they never appear on the same spots as vampires or if there's anything fun that you can do by like placing them next to each other somehow. So when I was looking up the the orb of expansion, apparently they will spawn and then immediately run away without doing anything if a vampire is also in the fight. I see. Which is okay. why they, they count as a fourth enemy, even though you don't have to fight them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, well, they run away normally if... Um, when watchers come in, they their move is to buff the other enemies on the field by giving them magic armor. Oh, and right. then they and then they okay, run away I mean, once not. there's no one left to buff. So I'm trying to see. Okay, so it's probably something different then. I'm not I'm trying to figure out what they do because I I didn't use the temporal beacons pretty much. I, I you know yeah. I, I used yeah, them a couple the times, but not much. What's the benefit of temporal beacons? Is there one? Um, it says time speeds up within their radius, but I don't really know what that means. Yeah. Um, let's I mean, see. Yeah, I guess it turns to day faster. That could be. Yeah. So you get more healing because uh, you you get there's a little there's a little bar at the top of the screen that just keeps you know going up and then restarting, uh, and every time it finishes, it becomes like a new day, and you get some healing at the beginning of each day. Also, there's like. Mean, it says- there's like uh, level up abilities that triggers each new day. Yeah, yeah. There's some things that happen uh, per day. The other ways to heal are you can place villages that heal you a little bit as you go through, but too many villages will spawn bandits, um, and you get he- healing back every time you pass the the campfire, which is like the loop start. Um, and you also, most of the characters or all of the characters 
have a stat that's like health regen, <clears throat> which is just like regen over time. So you can try and optimize your equipment for that. Yeah, you can. So regen over time only comes on equipment. Vampirism comes on both equipment and the rogue automatically starts with 5% vampirism. Um, yeah, which yeah. kills you uh, when you deal damage. Um, yeah, my my warrior strategy was to maximize like damage and attack speed so that I was just, uh, you know, attacking as often as possible. Um, and my necromancer is to um, maximize, like try and get as many skeletons as you can. But other than that, maximize for um, magic HP and regen. So mm -hmm. that enemies are like flailing away at your magic shield while you're healing between. Yeah, and also, like I said, get residual heat whenever possible. <laughs> yeah, that's basically uh, what I have done with the Necromancer. I had a really good um, couple of runs with the Warrior by stacking as much evasion as I could on them. And then it, um, yeah, it worked out pretty well. It was like evasion and I, I don't remember if I had regen or if I had vampirism. Um, yeah, some was... some kind of health return. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, because there's a there's a warrior ability called Somersault that gives you like a 35% chance of countering when you evade. Oh, so yeah, if you have a lot of evade, then you have a high high probability of countering. And you can mostly just I think it was vampirism then, if that's what I was using. But yeah, that sounds like a good build. Well. Worked out pretty well. That was the build that I used uh, the first time I beat the first boss. Nice. I had, oh man, I had so much trouble with the first boss. I I think the first, not the first two times, but I had two failed attempts where I was like one or two hits from mm. killing it. But that was before I figured out the, the Lich Palace and how that worked, mm. which... I must have been doing pretty okay if I uh, if I managed to almost kill the Lich without destroying the Lich Palace tiles. I mean, I almost never have time to destroy more than one or two of the little castle tiles, so I don't know. Um, there's when the boss spawns in. Wait, 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 um, wait, wait. What's this about the Lich Palace? <laughs> so when oh. the first when the first boss spawns in. He spawns uh, not just himself on the campfire tile, but like a bunch of little buildings right around the campfire. And it's... each one of those increases the damage uh, that it deals, that the Lich will deal, and the health that it has, I think. By 5% um, per I... like Lich Palace tile. Yeah. So if you can use Oblivion cards to get rid of a bunch of those tiles, then you will weaken the, that boss before you go into him. So you can use Oblivion I also... tiles... Yeah, I also did not realize this until after I had beaten the Lich. I think it twice. So, yeah, the you can you can use Oblivion tiles, but the other thing you can do is it will he'll only spawn the palace tiles. So it's every tile immediately around the um, campfire. But if you already put something there, then he won't spawn it. So if you place a lot of crap around your campfire, you can usually get away with him only spawning like one or two Lich Palace tiles, and you can Oblivion one or two of them if you have the cards. Yeah. Um, so that's what I that's that was my strategy for the the first. I never boss had Oblivion cards anyway. 
what do you use your oblivion cards on because so so there are a number of cards that uh or things that spawn that are not placed by the player that spawn based on actions you've taken such as the for instance the bandits that spawn when you place a lot of villages or the um tree people like tree doppelgangers that spawn when you place a lot of forests um or uh, i think there's there's also yeah. some enemies that come from tiles that will like come to places so there's a good reason to to have like a card that uh that you can use to erase things which happen which you know is in your deck by default but you like all the other cards you get them you know randomly so you can't really control when you have them mm -hmm. um but is uh yeah so like what did you guys use your oblivions on for the most part mostly goblins the goblins spawn when you have when you place 10 rock or mountain cards it will pop off a goblin um goblin camp or camp. something yeah um goblins the goblins will kick your ass pretty hard if you let them uh, yeah, build up on that pile there's four of them and they there's up to four of them and they attack so fast and one Just, of them is always the leader so if you if you kill any other goblin before killing the goblin leader then the goblin leader gets a pretty substantial buff from what i remember yeah, yeah. i always i always like counted my rock and mountain cards uh, and waited to place that tenth one until I was sure I had an oblivion I could use. Nice. Yeah, if I had an oblivion card, which was rare, then goblins or like the bandits on the villages. Yeah, I kind of hate the bandit camps because they have a special ability where if they attack you directly, there's a chance that they can destroy one of the equipment pieces you're wearing. And yeah. it only happened to me once. But if that was enough, I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. Um, but because the um, the thing is that the the that gold card that like gives you extra magic HP, um, the magic HP it gives you is based on, or I think it's actually regular HP. Um, but the HP it gives you is based on um, how many things with a soul you've killed. Mm. Um, and like both bandits and goblins are things with souls. So it, I, I ended up kind of not using, um, oblivion cards on them anymore. And instead I would try and put the lanterns nearby. So lanterns, road lanterns limit the number of enemies that can be on a tile. And if you only have to deal with two bandits or two goblins, it's manageable. If you have three or four, it's a lot harder. Yeah. But I would so I would basically try and get two road lanterns nearby to suppress them enough to make them not a problem, but still have a couple of them so I could farm them for uh, souls. Yeah. It's just the number of strategies is is almost infinite. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool coming up with like interesting combinations that give you like a you know a an edge. Mm -hmm. um, does the wiki have a list anywhere of like card things that only happen through card combinations through putting some cards next to other cards? Um, it's it's got a list of all of the cards, um, and then I believe the synergy. Yeah, the synergies are listed under each card in the wiki. Yeah, so tell me about some of the synergies because like I'm I'm super curious about other ones. Let's see. I'm gonna look. Let's see. I'm trying to find cards that I don't really use so that I'm not like. <laughs> 
Let's see. Um, I don't really use the ruins, so let's see. No synergies listed on the ruins. Okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> swamp. Spawn, ruins spawn like fire, uh, fire worms that like attack you from neighboring tiles. Yeah, that's why I don't use. <laughs> um, okay, I like you put... ruins because the worms were so weak. Yeah, I should I should add them to my. Um to my trying to farm the gold orbs strategy and put them next to my spider dens so that there'll be more enemies. Because oh, supposedly the chance of gold orbs goes up if you have more than four enemies. Um, okay, so if you put a swamp next to a goblin camp, it transforms the goblin camp into a goblin lookout. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see what, the, what that actually does. Um... Oh, I guess it adds goblin archers. Oh, uh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. Oh, yeah, it. I closed the wrong tab. Darn it. Like one problem I had with this game was like I had so many options, but I had no idea if like placing an enemy is that good or bad. Like I had no way to like figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, I think you end up having to kind of like pick one thing that you want to try or explore and like deliberately explore that because <clears throat> like i there were like a good you know five or six cards that i hadn't even touched and then like last night i started like trying out a few of them and i'm like oh that's what this does like i get it um yeah like but the, even the empty... though, like how do you tell if that's good or bad for you I mean, I don't know. I try and estimate it. I try and run a few loops that way and see if I'm doing on average better or worse. It can be hard to tell because a lot of the stuff is, a lot of the factors are based on what draws you get in terms of, well, like there's a ton of, as you say, there's a ton of factors. There's like the, um, what abilities you draw for random abilities. There's what equipment you draw. There's what cards you draw. You like happen to get at what times. Um, even the shape of the loop is kind of a factor because having a certain like certain types of twists in the in the path can make it like easier or harder to put things at corners or adjacent to certain things so there yeah it's you kind of have to run any given strategy a few times to, to make sure you didn't just get like a very lucky or unlucky run yeah i just ended up like placing every single thing and then like Trying to place a weak enemies that would spawn over the hard enemy tiles. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think that's how I sort of started the game. Like the first couple loops, I basically just played every card um, and hoped for the best. Uh, and that's like, that seemed like that's actually a decent strategy. Um, but later on, I was like, okay, let me see if, like, let me build my deck to try and maximize the things that seem to be that seem to go well for me right like the the doppelgangers the plant doppelgangers on uh on necromancer runs and things like that so try not to place a single card <laughs> well you got to get some you got to get some xp somehow yeah you get slimes yeah that's true you can and try you that get, like... see if... 30 loops in and the slimes get really, really powerful. <laughs> you could try that and see what happens. Yeah, I did. 
like you it's not that interesting because like you don't get that many like materials you want yeah you get really good items but not much else yeah because they're high level i guess that makes sense um you can also get time shards from those uh dark slimes but i don't think there's a way to make dark slimes spawn on purpose i think they're random i could be wrong kelso you still looking for stuff I am, and I'm not finding anything interesting. I don't. I don't think it has like. Well, it doesn't have all of the synergies listed um, specifically. Like it'll say, "Oh, this might happen if you combine it," but it's only listing like transformational things. Like it's not listing, you know, under a separate subheading, put meadows next to chrono crystals, and it'll double your healing per day from those meadow tiles. You know, which is something I did. Nice. I did not realize that. That makes sense. Yeah. Maybe I should put those chronic crystals the only back thing, in the deck. Yeah, that's pretty much the only thing I use it for. Um, because I, I am in general pretty afraid of like over overwhelming myself with enemies, but if you wanna spawn spiders, I would assume that's a great way to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. We wanna have like big heavy encounters with lots of <laughs> lots guys of right spiders. next to the camp campfires. Yeah. But the, the problem is, like, that means that I have both spiders and chrono crystals in my deck for only using next to the campfire. So, like, I will draw them, you know, I will draw four of them and then never want to draw them again. Yeah. I guess you could um, you could also put up a bunch of villages and then basically all of your spiders have a high chance of being boss spider, you know, quest spiders. Well, that doesn't help me because... I, yeah, uh, I guess that doesn't help you. Like they that would give me more XP, but that just makes them harder to fight. Yeah, that's like, true. I just want to squash them all immediately. <laughs> I just need to have a lot of things in the fight. I think I think I, what I might do is actually um, get those little spitty worms um, and put them next to those tiles, so that way they'll be technically participating in the uh, in the spider battle. Does that count? I, th I assume that counts as enemies in the fight for the purpose of, like, increasing the likelihood of gold orb drops. I mean, yeah, I could be look. wrong, but... I don't know. It's a um... lot of... If you like, like, really sort of, like, fiddly, interesting stat and strategy management stuff, like, this is a good game for that. Expansion orb. I'm gonna see... Yeah. Loop Hero, how to get the Orb of Expansion. Um, uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Vampire Villages uh, have five by default because there's a vampire plus four ghouls. So that's a, that's a good thing oh, yeah. to try. Um, yeah, this, that's basically like what this, this uh, <laughs> article suggests how to farm gameper.com how to farm orbs of expansion in loop hero <clears throat> the bend fill the space around it yep outside the u-bend spider cocoons inside the u-bend vampire mansion um why do you want a vampire mansion though that spawns the ghouls or are we talking about spiders 
Yeah, this this one has a vampire mansion like on so that it affects tiles where there are spiders, which I think just well, makes the spiders vampiric. No, it it spawns a vampire in addition to the spiders. So you'll oh, have yeah. four spiders plus one vampire. That's fair. Yeah. Um just like put a bunch of stuff that spawns often and like put them all at the same place. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you, I guess if you put like some groves next to each other, you would end up with a lot of rat wolves. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're getting maybe into the weeds a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff. I like, uh, I like how powerful some of the abilities feel. I wish there were like, I wish there weren't so many abilities that are just kind of terrible duds. Um, yeah. Or I wish you had like I wish you had a chance of like, um, sort of deck building a little bit on that to increase the chances of certain ones over others. I wish the reroll function wasn't a trait you bought, and instead was oh, like yeah. outside of those. Yeah, if you could do it any time, then uh, then you would just do it until you got the exact one that you wanted. Um, maybe if there yeah, was like a cost maybe you can do it like once. Yeah. Well, yeah. at that point, they could just give you six options instead of three options. Uh, but yeah, oh, it might no. be nice if there were like five to choose from instead of three, or it might be nice if you could like maybe pay some of a resource, like pay food or or wood or something, in order to re-roll. Like I would definitely take that sometimes. Hmm. Um, I'm, I want to, like, I do kind of want to experiment a little bit more with, uh, some of the combinations, um, and see what comes up. I'm seeing this, like, I'm looking at a screenshot and there's a house on the side of the road in one of them that, like, I don't recognize. So I don't know if it's like a synergy thing or, um. Is that the, the suburb block? I, maybe? I've, I've. I keep seeing that mentioned, and I don't know what it does. I don't have it either. Um, maybe you see. put like a. Maybe you put um, meadows next to like a mansion or something. Suburbs. Suburbs no. you get from upgrading the gymnasium to the academy. It gives you plus one experience per suburb. Tile oh yeah, I have not. Enemies. I have not upgraded any of my uh, buildings in the camp. The, in the camp, I there are things that you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once you build stuff in the camp, you can upgrade it. But almost every upgrade requires those golden orbs. So yeah. because I'm stockpiling them, I haven't. Uh, I haven't done anything. Um, I've upgraded a few stuff, but like it feels so weak. The upgrades. Yeah, they it's it's hard to tell ahead of time with any builds or upgrades like what actually they do because it'll say stuff like unlocks the river card and I'm like I don't know what the river card does so I have no way of judging how much I want that. Apparently the river is great. Um, is it? I don't have it either. Yeah, that's I have heard that it's very good with the forest for it it increases, you know, the effectiveness of adjacent cards. Hmm. I could see that yeah. being useful. Yeah. <sighs> 15 gold orbs needed for that, though. 
Yeah. 15. But I'm excited now that like after this talk, I have like some new strategies that I want to try. Like that's, yeah. that's kind of a good sign for the game. I feel like that it's, you know, it, it feels like exciting to go back and want to try a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I honestly, I had no idea if I would like this game or not. And there were even times where like, I would be sitting here and I would be thinking, I need to play this game because we have to talk about it on the podcast and I really don't feel like it right now, but I should. And I would start it up and like three hours pass. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> that kind of game. So. Yeah. It's, it's weird because it's not, as you say, it's not like a compelling thing where you go like, oh man, I really want to play some loop hero right now. But it is a thing where like once you're in it, it's like, I, I could do just like one more run. I could do just a little yeah. bit more. I could try this one thing. Like I had kind of bad yeah. luck there. I should do that again. <laughs> right. Like, yep. Yep. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm, I'm happy we played this. Whether I keep playing it is sort of, I think in question. Um, like there, I do kind of want to try a couple of these strategies to see how effective they are. Um, but I don't really feel compelled. I am kind of vaguely curious about how the story will play out, but I don't know if I'm like dedicated enough to actually try and beat that last boss. <laughs> it yeah. sounds hard. <laughs> I feel you. This, this is one of those games. I would put it in the category of, you know, a lot of times on a Saturday or Sunday when I have nothing else going on, I get into that mode of like, I should do something, but I don't want to do anything but just like sit on the couch and watch YouTube videos, even though I know that's a terrible way to spend my day. Yeah. And this seems like a, a good way of filling those days where I, I don't want to do anything, but I should be doing something that's not just gathering dust in the living room. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, playing a video game all day, admittedly not much better, but it is at least a little better. You're engaging, you're, you're, you're forcing your brain to think about things yes, a little exactly. bit. Yeah. Instead of doing nothing, you're doing something you want to do. Maybe not something you need to do, but yeah. something you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I guess we, we like, usually have a, a bit towards the end of these where we talk about sort of, like, the tone factors in terms of, like, art and music. Um, I don't know that I feel like this particularly stands out in either of those regions. Like, it's it's adequate for what it is. It's really hard to read some fonts. Yeah, that's true. It's not yeah, the best. I, I turned off the but, default pixel font immediately. I was going to say, they yeah. do give you the option of three different fonts in the opening. Yeah. So I actually went with the, dyslexic, the dyslexia font because I think it looks the best um, mm -hmm. outside of... Like, it looks like it fits in better than just the default, like, probably Helvetica. Um, yeah. <laughs> it fits in a little better, but it's still very legible. So mm -hmm. that's my thought. I don't know. I really like the art. Um, it's, I like specifically the way that it handles shading um, because it does dithering, but it doesn't do the crappy checkerboard dithering. It does, like single line hatching a lot of times in a really effective way that makes it have a lot more texture than you normally get in um in pixel art i really appreciated it um and the music is i mean the music isn't worth writing home about but it's good 
Yeah, it's you I never know, found myself annoyed by it. It's a series of tr of tracks. At least they don't have one track that just loops forever. Oh yeah. There are like three or four tracks that like play that alternate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's that's good. And then once the boss spawns, it plays like the boss music, which yeah. is appropriately like tense, high energy sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like the. I love the like characters. When you see them, mm -hmm. like. Of the Close character up. portraits, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm mostly kind of indifferent. I mean, like they're they're nice. They look good, but um, the only one that I saw and I was like, wow, is uh the the bookery, uh person. Like when you first unlock the the library at the camp, there's like a librarian guy and he looks pretty funny. Um, is he just called the librarian loop hero library library librarian? Will it show a picture of him? Oh, it doesn't show a picture of him. Boo. <laughs> oh, well. People will just have to play oh. and see it for themselves. On the wiki, he's listed as the scientist. Oh, scientist. Okay. Scientist. I guess because he runs the library and the <laughs> alchemist tent. I see. Yeah. Because yeah. he's got, for some reason, they decided to make his glasses partially falling off. He's he looks like he's just kind of a mess. Like he doesn't have his shit together at all. Yeah. And I kind of love that. So kudos for, for giving me a laugh there. Yeah. It's 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 one of those things like I they didn't have to put as much effort into these character portraits as they did because you very rarely see these. Like you yeah. basically, you see them, you know, when you build a building or when you upgrade a building, um, but or the like the first time you encounter certain enemies. Yeah, but there is there is so much care put into each of these. Like they 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 really went above and beyond. Yeah, and I that's appreciate true. that. Yeah, I do. I do really like the character portraits. The the like card art and like art that you're staring at when you're looking at the loop is sort of like you know it's okay it's pretty standard pixel art type stuff but the character portraits are quite nice yeah um i we did promise last time that we would compare this to uh to bpm in terms of its rogue rogue likeness i mean this is uh. they're completely different <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that i think that was a, a poor promise for us to have made well, I do I do have some point of comparison to make, which is that like for me the the fact that I'm get to keep things, even if I fail, I get to keep something, it makes like all of the difference for me. Yeah. The fact that like once I've done a thing, I feel like I've made some kind of forward progress, even mm -hmm. if I lose. Um that's why I, I like I can't stand true roguelikes and prefer the sort of light stuff is i had like yeah i i have to feel like i'm investing my time in something it's stupid it's not like that it's doing you know a ton uh and i may have to do a lot of it to get a little investment but just give me something <laughs> um so i don't feel like oh i was doing really well there and then i failed guess that's a wasted loop <laughs> like no you get to keep 30 percent sorry carl you learned something. Well, 
except when I learn something in, in BPM, that thing is not necessarily reproducible for me, right? Like I might like, maybe I'm getting gradually more skillful, but the success mostly feels like I had good luck on that run. Not I was, you know, mm -hmm. not I'm doing better and better. Um, and so this one, like, I still have that, you know, that there's still, because roguelikes have, are, rely so much on randomization, like, there's still that feeling of, well, you either got a good run or you didn't. But at least when you get a good run, something comes of it, right? Like, you are rewarded for having a good run where you got good luck, even though, like, you don't, you know, it doesn't make sense that, uh, you know, you don't feel like you have to be rewarded for being lucky. But it does feel like you should, when something good happens, that should have a permanent impact. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, what's to stop you from just, like, getting in a mode with something like BPM where you just restart the game over and over and over until you get, like, a first level that has, like, the equipment you want and the rooms you want and the, like, um, you know, the the special modifier that you want, right? Like, at that point, like, if luck is a factor, you pretty much only want to even try on lucky runs. So you should just keep, you should ideally just keep restarting until you get a lucky run and then only run those. Whereas this one, it feels like even if you get an unlucky run, it's like, well, you know, I can, I might as well like spend a little bit of time grinding. I'll probably die pretty early, but I'll, you know, I'll maybe I'll escape with the things I want. I really disagree with that. Yeah. Especially since I've been like, I've been speedrunning Hades recently. Yeah. Which is a roguelike, but like, you don't know if the run is going to be good until like near the end. But Hades, like, Hades does have some have some carryover, right? There, there is permanent stuff that you get from doing yeah, things. Yeah, but we yeah, I run any heat, so like it doesn't it doesn't get like easier next run because I'm but like, don't stuff. you don't you like collect like items that you give to people and stuff like that, or is that? I, I haven't actually played it. I've just watched Huck play it a couple times. You get some upgrades if you play it like normally. Okay, but you're not playing that that form. Yeah, but like okay. even like I'm not gonna reset if I get a bad like first world because my yeah. second world might be really good. No, yeah. I mean that's true. And the thing is, like, I wouldn't actually play a rogue like that way. Like I, you know, I mostly because I don't have the patience to reset that much, but it it just bothers me that it feels like that would be the optimum strategy. Um, but maybe it's different in like because in uh, BPM it feels like the the way you start has so much more impact on how you're going to do overall. Um, like the stuff I would get in the first level would always determine whether I even made it to the second level. And usually if I made it to the second level, I would make it to the third level. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. But yeah, like I, I get that. And I think it's it's more 
that's just like more a thing of whether you whether you like like the roguelike style or not because it's just you know it is a particular way of playing games it's more reminiscent of like older arcade games where you you have a run and you know then and then you either you know hopefully you're getting better over time but i don't know that's just like that doesn't resonate with me as a player i need to feel like i'm <laughs> i need to feel like i'm doing something yeah, like, for a purpose like you're progressing in some way yeah i'm the same way yeah and for whatever reason just like personal growth and skill is not a form of progression for me which is one of the reasons that i like don't play multiplayer like versus games ever yeah it's like yeah i know i will get better by playing against other people but like why <laughs> yeah i i too have seen no point in in doing that and you know having a having to deal with other people and be putting that much time into something that basically only affects that specific game or type of game that I don't even want to play. So, which is which is like really entirely in in our heads, right? Because mm -hmm. making forward progress in a game also doesn't affect anything or have any value outside of the game. It just feels different. I think for me, and this is something that I've I've like had conversations um, about with my boyfriend, but it's like I feel like if there's no narrative hook, I I have almost no motivation to you know to keep going. Um, there is even the tiniest narrative hook. I mean, there's there is definitely a narrative hook in Loop Hero, and not so much in like BPM. Um, Besides, maybe the the most the most thin of a veneer in BPM, um, but there's, I would argue that there's that's... like there's like a um, there's sort of like an aesthetic context in BPM, yeah. more than there is a narrative. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and this this doesn't have a ton of narrative, but it, you know, it has an opening cutscene. It yeah. has character dialogue occasionally. Mm -hmm. It's got a and funny I mean, scientist who doesn't have his shit together. Yeah. yeah. You're you're helping the, the fake people. Yep. I also like that your comparison between BPM and Lupero was that they did stuff differently. <laughs> well, yeah. they're both I mean they're both roguelikes and like I think that's interesting as a genre comparison, right? Like they're both arguably in the same genre they do a lot of randomization they do a lot of procedural generation they do all of the trappings of the genre but that one little trapping of the genre that's like malleable the like whether you get to keep anything from run to run to me that's like the big deal breaker on roguelikes it turns out <laughs> yeah uh all right any last thoughts on this i'm sure we missed stuff um because oh, yeah. there's a lot of there's like a this this game is all detail. This game is like 100% yeah. details. There's all but. detail. There's there's stuff that we haven't unlocked and upgraded. I'm, yeah, there's yeah. I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that we missed, but yeah. Yeah, we could like go through all of the cards, but like play it yourself. Figure out the find out the fun <laughs> combinations on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't have a good segue, but I can talk about the next game. <laughs> yeah.
And now for something completely different. Um, we'll say, yeah, the we'll next say game we're going... adios to Loop Hero and we'll play. <laughs> hey. Yeah, uh, the next game we're playing is Adios, which is a completely different game. It is a uh, narrative, from what I know, very dialogue-heavy game about a uh, pig farmer in the Midwest and the mafia uses his pig farm to dispose of bodies. And you no longer want to allow the mob to use your pig farm to uh, dispose of their bodies. So it is, that's the central conflict. And beyond okay. it, that's the, uh, beyond that, that's all I really know. It's, this is one of those games that's sort of been on my radar a little bit for a while. Like I follow um, one of the devs on Twitter and he, he tweets a lot of interesting ideas for games. And this is one of the the ideas that he tweeted several years ago, um, and he has made it into a game. So it's uh, a walking sim, or pretty much, I think. Okay. I bought it and I haven't played it yet. Okay, um, so we'll find so, out, I guess. Yeah, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, the game is uh, by Mischief. It is on Steam. I think it is just on Steam. Uh, yeah, and you can go get yourself the game now. All right. Sounds good. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, we need to have a, we need to break for a, a strongly narrative game. We haven't had one in a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, we really do. Um, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is, this is definitely the breather. Yeah. Uh, I guess plugs now. That's what we do. Yep. Hello, I'm Kelso. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kelso Timebomb and you can find the podcast Twitter on Twitter uh, at Feedback Force. Yep. And uh, I don't know if we say this that often, but I guess I was going to say, like, we're also on SoundCloud at Feedback-Force. But I suppose if you're listening to this, you know where to get the podcast. Um. Yeah, I guess maybe. I don't know if we ever, like, no, we I did talk about it. I definitely remember talking about it. But I have recently put the podcast uh, on Spotify, which is oh, nice. probably a lot more useful of a place to have it than iTunes and SoundCloud. For sure. Yeah. Because nice. I don't use iTunes or SoundCloud at all. I use Spotify 100% of the time uh, for my yeah. audio audio consumption. Yeah, I actually have like a podcast app where I search for specific podcasts, uh, oh, yeah, which I, I think is true. based on RSS feeds, probably. But who knows? Yeah. Uh, at any rate, yeah, um, you can find you can find me on Twitter at Kyla underscore Go. Um, and you can find, you can follow my game Wintermore Tactics Club on Twitter at Wintermore TC, uh, or you can buy it on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Yeah, buy it. Yeah. Carl, you have to give your and Twitter. Do I have to? I mean, you don't have to. You can say right. just don't contact me. <laughs> don't contact me on Twitter at Sky3. There we go. That'll that'll teach him. <laughs> that'll show him what's who's the boss. Uh yeah. And that's that's the episode for this yep. time. Thanks Thank for joining for us. Listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.